and center. The survival of the fittest. And besides, it's fun. <laughs> Outdoors with John is on the air. This is the Hunting, Camping, and Fishing Show, presented by Northwest Iowa Outdoors, the region's number one outdoor entertainment multimedia outlet. Live from the KSCJ studios in Sioux City, the phone lines are wide open. Call 239-2101 right now with your questions or comments. Good morning, everybody. The show is brought to us by the City of Kingsley, Small Town Sportsman in Kingsley, Dirt Road Design and Screen Printing in Kingsley, the Shooting Shop in Anthon, Iowa, the Fireside Steakhouse in Lounge in Anthon, the Plymouth County Conservation Board, Skyline Lodge in Perot Falls, Ontario, Iowa Great Lakes Outdoors in Milford, Iowa, Stan's Bait Shop in Milford, Oak Hill Marina in Arnold's Park, Iowa, and Midwestern Land and Auction in Mapleton, Iowa. And uh, there's enough ice up there on the Iowa Great Lakes. Uh, West Okoboji is a little sketchy out in the middle of the lake. Um, have caution, but I know uh, Captain Chad there with Iowa Great Lakes Outdoors has been doing some uh, fishing trips already this year. Um, you can go to igloutdoors.com or call them at 712 712- three three zero nine six seven eight and get your uh trip set up with captain chad um one thing that he does that some of the other guides don't is i know a lot of times you'll book a trip with a guide and he has his ice shack set out there and they will be in the same spot every year and you're just at the mercy of whether or not a fish decides that he's going to swim by that place i mean they'll put them in places where well you know what i think a fish you know this is traditionally where we catch fish but, you know, when you're ice fishing, you know, uh, 100 feet makes a hell of a difference between a good day and a bad day, especially on waters as big as, you know, Spirit Lake and Okoboji. But what Captain Chad does um, is he'll move the shacks around from uh, day to day, even hour to hour. So if you're going to take a trip with him, be be prepared to be mobile, because if the fish aren't under you where, he, you know, you start out, he's going to move you around until you get on them. So that's one thing that he does. It's a little bit different. He'll put the extra effort into moving those shacks around. Well, I saw a news article. Uh, where was that? Oh, here. Um, a great opportunity for uh, South Dakota residents if you want to whack some elk. Um, the Wind Cave uh, National Park in South Dakota, the National Park Service is recruiting volunteers to help manage the Wind Cave National Park elk herd. And what they're looking for is eight trained volunteers. And uh, they need four for each week of a two weeks and uh, for the first two weeks here in February. Volunteers will be selected by a lottery system managed by the South Dakota's Game Fish and Parks Department. And what they mean by trained volunteers is somebody that's actually um, probably fired a rifle and actually killed something before. Um, so, uh, and uh, and I'm not sure what the selection process is going to be. You know, they'll pull them by random by a lottery. And if the guy shows up and he's a real knucklehead, um, they might send him pack and then pick another name. So if you're a knucklehead, I probably wouldn't apply for this. Chances are you're not going to get out there to shoot the elk. But anyway, um, they need to reduce the elk herd inside the park because of uh, an outbreak of chronic wasting disease. And elk will be removed in order to maintain the population at the desired target inside the park. Um, this action is consistent with the range of operations presented in the Wind Cave Elk Management Plan Environmental Impact Statement signed in 2009, which... Uh, uh, what it boils down to is there's only so much uh, habitat that will support so many critters and they're getting overpopulated there. Plus they got a, a chronic wasting disease problem. So all the leftists out there will, uh, you know, cry a river to these, all these elk, but left unchecked, you know, they're pretty much all going to die anyway. So it's just a, a, a matter of uh, fact. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. 
every animal taken during this operation, they'll test them for chronic wasting disease. And uh, they have, and the National Park Service has partnered with the Game Fish and Parks to distribute the elk meat to the Feeding South Dakota program. And uh, it's an orga- organization dedicated to eliminating hunger in the state, kind of uh, like what Iowa does with the Hush program. Uh, also, the volunteers who work an entire week on this operation will be eligible to receive a portion of elk meat. Only meat with a non-detected result for chronic wasting disease will be distributed to volunteers or the Feeding South Dakota program. Anyone wishing to volunteer must submit an online application through their license profile at uh, Game Fish and Parks website at gfp.sd.gov. And like I say, they're going to be selected from a lottery. They're going to take applications from today to January 10th only. And then it'll be for the, uh, the, the first two weeks in February where they're going to uh, call the herd. And uh, they're only going to take online applications. Um, applicants must be at least 18 years of age, a South Dakota resident, and have no felony record and be willing to undergo a background check. The volunteers who selected will be contacted by the NPS personnel. Volunteers will be required to demonstrate advanced firearms proficiency and physical fitness to participate. Each volunteer will be required to hit an eight inch target at 200 yards, a minimum of three times out of five shots using their own firearm and non-lead ammunition, which is going to be the game breaker because I don't think a lot of people in South Dakota hunt with the the all copper bullets, which is about your only option on uh, non-lead ammunition through a high-powered rifle. And shooting an 8-inch target at 200 yards uh, three out of five times, yeah, that that shouldn't be a problem. But uh, but anyway, uh, and I don't know, for most people, not being convicted of a felony is not a problem, but for some reason they have that problem. But anyway, during the week, volunteers will also be required to hike up to 10 miles per day over rough terrain and carrying packs weighing up to 70 pounds in winter conditions, which in western South Dakota can be pretty terrible sometimes. And then it'd be a winter like this where it's kind of nice. But anyway, um, a great opportunity there for South Dakota residents. Uh, For more information, you can go to the Nebraska Game Parks and Fish website and uh, get the details there and put your application in. That's kind of deal. It makes me want to move to South Dakota. Scott, maybe I'll do that this week and I'll move today and then, uh, then I can apply for that. Well, I tell you, it almost sounds like boot camp. It, it, it kind of is. Um, it, I, like you see, it's, it's not an easy job. It isn't like you're just going to drive out to a pasture and, and kind of herd the elk over and say, okay, well, you whack these over on this corner of the pasture and leave those alone. I mean, it's, uh, you, you, it's, it's real hunting. You have to go out and find the critters. Um, kind of the same way that uh, Nebraska does when they, get, when they issued their um, bighorn sheep license. You know, they'll generally have two of them a year that they'll give out, and they have to be with the uh, Nebraska uh, DNR guys while they do it, you know. But anyway, great opportunity. Um, I don't know what else I was going to talk about today. Oh, I saw another article. Um, you know, people, the, the, the deer hunting, the deer seasons are winding down in our area. I think, you know, some of the late muzzleloader seasons are still going to be going and, uh, and then your late archery seasons. But, oh, some people, uh, some people are finding a lot of deer around and other people are finding none. That's kind of what I'm hearing. But uh, here's an article that came out of Wisconsin. And uh, I don't know what it pertains to us here, but other than I just thought it was kind of interesting. 
um, uh, that more deer are killed by wolves uh, than by Wisconsin Northwoods hunters in this recent season. And it's official, gray wolves are now responsible for killing more white-tailed deer in four counties of northern Wisconsin than the annual number of deer killed by gun hunters, according to data released by a group called Wisconsin Wolf Facts. And this Wisconsin Wolf Facts is a group, they base their information and their studies on science and not um, feelings. You know, a lot of these so much, you know, like the wolf, you know, got thrown onto the endangered list and, and now they're kind of struggling to get it off in these areas where they're getting an overpopulation of wolves. But yet the, uh, the leftists are like, oh my God, oh, you can't kill the poor wolf, you know. But anyway, uh, yeah, the wolves got more uh, deer than the hunters. Um, and the unmanaged proliferation of wolves is directly linked to the effects of two anti-hunting organizations that have routinely used federal judges to stop the scientific-based management of the animals. The Wisconsin population is now five times greater than the original population goals set by biologists and agreed to by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service more than 20 years ago. So anyway, in uh, Iron, Jackson, Douglas, and Forest counties, the uh, the gun hunters uh, harvested 1,790 deer, and the wolves got 2,260. So to me, it seems like there's a problem there, and they should probably open that back up and let people thin them wolves out. But there again, um, I think what South Dakota is doing out there at Wind Cave is they're gonna they're 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 picking their hunters now, and here in a couple weeks they're gonna be out there. The the elk will all be gone and dead before everybody can start filing lawsuits. It's like oh my god, you got to save these elk that are dying you know i suppose you take them in i don't know they got like elk nursing homes somewhere you take them into i, I don't think so but anyway the same thing with the wolves and uh they had that same problem in yellowstone where they reintroduced the wolves there and they got to the limit that they wanted and then you know the lawsuits ensued you know because they got up to their their target number for what yellow the ecosystem at yellowstone would hold as far as wolves the wolves kind of started spilling out into surrounding areas in montana and that and then it's like well okay now we got to start you know thinning these numbers keeping keep it at a, a at a set number of wolves per habitat and then the leftists you know file lawsuits and block it and it's like oh my god you, you can't do that you can't kill that wolf you know which kind of makes me wonder you know like old old red riding hood you know if, if granny wasn't a well if granny was like trump i'm supposing you know the wolf shows up and instead of the uh granny going oh my what you know big teeth you got and you know the wolf would be looking at granny and going oh my god what what a big handgun you got and granny would whack the bastard you know little red would hear you know see the muzzle flash in the cabin you know light up the windows and by the time she makes it down to the bottom of the hill you know granny's got the wolf hanging in the back tree pelting him out but anyway um yeah it looks like we're getting probably due for a break and uh, uh do we want to throw the trivia question yeah we should do that um i got one here um speaking of wolves um we're looking for how many species of wolves are there in the world and uh the choices we'll give you here are two four or six but we're looking how many species of wolves are find are found in the world and uh two three nine twenty one oh one is the number and i want to say that this is an actual real show unlike last week which is a used one <laughs> I hope you played one of them where I sounded neat or sounded smart. Cause no, that, was a, that was a good show with Michelle last week. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was I was hoping that one would make me sound smart, you know, yeah. other than what we got going on here. But anyway, um, looks like we got people calling in. Uh, can we just throw it into the commercial break right yeah, now? Yeah, two three nine twenty one zero one. Back after this, two three uh, KSCJ Sioux City ninety four nine one zero one thirteen sixty AM. Duh. Hear that? That's the sound of thousands of wishes coming true every day at Give Kids the World Village. Here at this magical place, kids with life threatening illnesses come from all over the world to fulfill one big wish to visit Central Florida's most awesome attractions. For one week, kids, along with their moms, dads, brothers, and sisters, get to stay in our amazing 70-acre resort in Central Florida. They get tickets to the area's coolest attractions, and believe me, there are tons of those. They get to eat yummy meals every day, including ice cream for breakfast. It's an awesome place that gives these special kids what they need more than anything, a chance to feel normal and have fun. And here's the best part. This fantasy vacation doesn't cost kids or their families a thing. We count on the support of caring people and companies to keep the magic alive. And the kids laughing. To learn how you can help, visit GiveKidsTheWorld.org. Give Kids the World. It's where happiness inspires hope. If you're transitioning into Medicare and would like to learn more about Medicare Parts A, B, C, and D, join Marie Mans at the Holiday Inn Express 4723 Southern Hills Drive, Sioux City, Tuesday, January 7th at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Marie is an experienced caring agent serving Northwest Iowa for over 25 years. Marie will answer your Medicare supplement questions and make it simple for you to get educated on your rights and options. Call Marie Mans at 712-363-9825. Not connected with nor endorsed by the U.S. government or federal Medicare program. This is a solicitation of insurance. Hey. Oh, d- hey, Deb. I thought you were the radon test guys. The who test guys? Didn't you see the papers Sunday? The Surgeon General issued another lung cancer warning. Oh, like the cigarette warning? Yeah. They're saying we have to get our houses tested for radon. I don't smell any radon in my house. Oh, that's because radon is an odorless, colorless, tasteless gas that seeps into your house from underground. Does this story have a happy ending? Yeah. You'll be a lot happier once you get your house tested. Test your home now. Kits available at the Siouxland District Health Department on Nebraska Street for only $7, and that includes the lab test. It's for the health and safety of your family. Big John. Big John. Well, somebody had to guess the answer, didn't they? Yep. Gary Trapp of Sioux City correctly said two. There's two species of wolves in the world. And actually, that's more than I thought it was going to be when I looked it up. Oh, I thought it was a lot more than that. Oh, I thought it was just one. I thought that all the wolves were the same. You know, like your, what they call a gray wolf, which you'll, you know. Depends on where they live, what they're going to find, uh, what they're going to call it. But they're actually saying that there's the 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 gray wolf is the is the most popular one that's found around the world, and it depends on what part of the world they're found in, what they're going to call it. But they're saying that the ones found here in North America are uh, identical to the ones found in Europe. Um, and then there's the red wolf, which I didn't uh i didn't know about that until last night to be honest with you but uh, the red wolves are only found in a small area of coastal north carolina and they're similar to the you know gray wolf you know obviously you know wolves the wolves the wolves you know but anyway um and they say that there's uh i don't know scientists are still arguing whether or not the uh the gray wolf found here is the same species as the gray wolf found in russia and whether or not there's uh, four or up to 24 subspecies of gray wolf then. But as of right now, I guess the true answer to that would be there's only two species of wolf. Yeah, now is there any connection between wolves and coyotes? Well, they're, they're, they're in the same um, uh, canine category. And actually, they used to, in Iowa, they, they would call the, uh, when they first settled, that they call the coyote a prairie wolf, which was 
kind of a misnomer because it really isn't a wolf. But I believe that coyotes and wolves in, um, in uh, certain instances will actually interbreed. Um, and, they, you know, the domestic dogs are uh, considered to be all the same uh, descendants of, you know, the gray wolf. And they say that they share like 98% of the DNA with a gray wolf. And then I hear other theories that our domesticated dogs came from another wolf or a dog that is now extinct in the wild. Because if you look at every place where there's uh, oh, human abandonment and you got these packs of uh, feral dogs and it just takes like a few generations and they always end up with a, with a brown colored dog that weighs about 30 pounds with medium long hair. And it doesn't matter what the pack starts out like after a few generations, they end up with this brown, like I say, 30 pound medium length hair. So they're thinking that as these dogs interbreed, they kind of quit isolating their mutant genes to make poodles and chihuahuas and they go back to what they originally were. And it, it isn't a gray wolf. So none of us are probably ever going to know. Anyway, for the people that think there's different subspecies of the gray wolf, um, here in the uh, United States, they're saying, or in North America, they're saying there's the Arctic, um, which would be the ones that they'll find up in Alaska and stuff like that. Uh, the Northwestern, obviously in the Northwestern uh, United States and uh, West Coast of uh, Canada, the Great Plains, which would be the wolves that we're seeing in through Minnesota and uh you know, Wisconsin, obviously, um, Michigan, and here in the last decade, uh, a few sightings in Iowa and Missouri. And then the Mexican, which would be obviously found in uh, the Mexican, you know, the Southwest into Mexico and that, and then the Eastern timber wolf, which some of them are thinking that that's not even a different subspecies. That's just the same as the Great Plains wolf, but they find them on the East Coast. And, uh, I, I think they're, uh, they, they vary so much in color and size, and a lot of it has to do with uh, diet. So, I mean, even if you look at a pack of wolves in uh, Canada, you know, you're going to have three or four of them that are darker than the rest, and some are almost black and anywhere from brown to gray to, I guess, even white, you know, in certain instances. But, uh, I don't know. Interesting, anyway. Anyway, um, I think it was the last one that got wolf that got whacked here in Iowa was in Osceola County in 2015. And I remember that the guy shot it, but see, the problem is the wolves are protected, but in Iowa, the, the few that have been killed in the last decade, um, people had mistaken them for coyotes, which, I mean, you put a coyote and a wolf, uh, side by side and it's like, you don't almost have to be blind not to be able to tell the difference. But when you're in an area here where we're not used to seeing wolves, and at a distance, yeah, I could see why you'd think that was a coyote. It'd be like a big coyote, but what the heck, you, you know, you, you blast him. Um, but anyway, uh, before that, there were two of them in 2014, one in Buchanan County, one in Jones County. And then in 2010, um, to kick off the whole um, decade of wolf sightings in Iowa, there was one in Whacked in uh, Guthrie County and one uh, just north here in Sioux County. Before that, they claimed that the last one in Iowa was in 1884 in Butler County. Um, but I know, and then they had one that was shot in Shelby County, I saw in 1925. But then uh, people are kind of thinking that that might have been a, a, oh, like a, a, a captive wolf that had escaped. And then somebody else shot it. But uh, 
I, they don't know that for sure. And I know, you know, as far as documenting the wolf sightings, I know my dad, when he was uh, farming south of Climbing Hill in the in the 50s, um, he shot a couple wolves that were down there um, getting ready to, you know, do some bad things to his livestock. And it was, you know, it was early winter and I don't know, they come up out of the creek and uh, they were chasing the, the cattle. So, you know, he whacked them. Um, by that time, though, they'd taken the bounty off of them. So you just kind of whacked them and, I don't know, just threw them in the, threw them in the weeds and ignored the situation. But dad's gone now, so I can tell that story as soon as it's not actually evidence now. And then if any, if it comes to it in a court of law, it's like, well, <laughs> try to prove I'm not a lying bastard. <laughs> so there you go. But anyway, the wolves in Wisconsin, they kind of followed the same trend that I, they did in Iowa. Um, you know, by the late 1800s, they were just gone, you know, from the landscape. Um, farming, you know, loss of habitat and loss of food will do that. Um, and then, uh, all around the 1860s, they declared the bounties on the wolves. And, uh, and then uh, 1957, anyway, the bounty program ended in Wisconsin. I think it was a little earlier that in, in Iowa and uh, Minnesota. And by 1960, they, uh, in Wisconsin anyway, they, they considered that the wolves were completely uh, gone. And then they started slowly moving back in um, from Minnesota. Because, uh, you know, as everything was disappearing around here, you know, Nebraska, South Dakota, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, Illinois even. But there was always still a remnant of wild wolves in northern Minnesota and then obviously in Canada, which is kind of crazy because they put the, the wolf on the endangered species list. But there was never a shortage of them through Canada. So... I mean, it's one of them where they're playing politics with it. So then anyway, well, they got to reintroduce them. And Wisconsin did nothing to reintroduce the wolves. They just started showing up and they, they presumed out of uh, Minnesota. And then the wolves that are coming out of into Iowa, they're claiming that they're probably coming out of Wisconsin and then traveling across the northern part of the state to get over to, you know, Osceola and Sioux County. And uh, wolves will travel a lot. Um, they uh, radio a uh, wolf that was... Uh, fixed with a radio collar in Michigan turned up in near uh, Kirksville, Missouri, like within that same year. And that wolf had traveled over 600 miles and uh, some guy there in Kirksville kind of put an end to the wolf, you know, whacked him. I don't know. You know, you think the wolves had learned to stay, stay out of certain places. But anyway, um, in Wisconsin, I know Wisconsin started a, a wolf season uh, a couple, you know, a few years ago. And then, uh, you know, the anti-hunters, you know, filed a petition to block the wolf hunts. So now they, uh, okay, well, you can't hunt the wolves. And then they, they're remaining unchecked. And they're, <clears throat> the population of wolves in Wisconsin is probably about 25% over what the, uh, the original number was agreed to, you know, like under the National Endangered Species Act. So anyway, um, last year they're estimating the wolf population is... 978 animals in Wisconsin, which concentrated in the northern part of the state. Yeah, they're going to raise hell with the deer populations. But anyway, can't shoot the wolf. It's just not emotionally good. And well, we got about 30 seconds there, Scott. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Something really, really fascinating, I'm sure. Ah, looking forward to it.
when you, I say when you gotta go, you gotta go.